Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 70. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my bro on Brovember, Tom Smiley, and we're talking about Legacy. What's Brovember? Brovember is when we bro down, man, and that's why we're having one of our all-time, actually, no, our number one all-time guest, uh, Lawrence Harmon, back on for his fourth visit. So last week we had Nate on. <laughs> And Nate, Nate was a third visit tying Lawrence, and Lawrence obviously didn't like that. He saw the disturbance in the cosmos, and he is back for our Brovember Spectacular. Well, this is awesome because there was somebody on Reddit that said that they only listen to us when we have interesting guests. So hopefully Lawrence counts as an interesting guest so that person will listen. <laughs> there was also was- someone on Reddit who said that they were displeased that I said the N-word, and then I clicked oh, yeah. on their name. And all of their other comments were just in r slash free magic, which is just like the biggest cesspool on Reddit. So it was just like, what? This is the weirdest case of moral grandstand. It's like, I don't like when this black guy says the N word. And then here's a comment about Cat Light's genitals. And I'm just oh, like, wait, no. hold on. Oh, Yo, oh, that's chill. That's awful. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> I'm that was saying. actually that was me, Tom, that made that comment. <laughs> I'm sorry. People are ridiculous. This is why I don't have a Reddit account. It's just not a sane place. I think I've made two posts on Reddit when I was trying to like promote the podcast when we first started, and then I got a bunch of comments, and I was like, maybe I should just never do this again. I've had three Reddit accounts. Two are actual band and one is shadow band like i post i post stuff and then i like go incognito and i don't see my posts so i'm like fuck i guess i'm just blackballed from ever using reddit i made a reddit account like forever ago because one of my friends was like oh you should use reddit it's a really interesting platform and then i like made a reddit account and then never used it and i've heard like the non-magic slash nerd related aspects of reddit are really interesting but uh most magic forums are kind of terrible. It's actually a really great like social media service. Like as far as like aggregating stuff, like news, it's just that the subreddits all degenerate into trash, right? So like, it, it you have to like stay on top of it to curate your shit, or else it just turns into fucking trash. Right, and then you get lead, like end up in situations where the mods just have like, yeah. oh, like they're super ego filled, and you just get into. Ugh, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So yeah, we've got Lawrence back on. We obviously we had Eternal Weekend this weekend, and Lawrence has stepped up since the last time we had you on in the wake of Niagara. You sort of stepped up into your role as like one of the uh, one of the community thought leaders. I think you, you've uh, really you put on the cape, man. You've you're you've taken the mantle. Yeah, I I don't know how that happened. Uh... I just, like, post stuff on Twitter, and uh, people were like, oh, I like what you're saying, and I was like, okay, cool, I guess, and then, like, um, yeah, I started a podcast, and the basic story behind that was uh, I felt like starting a podcast, me and my buddy Steve talked a lot about magic, so instead of talking multiple times throughout the week, we just kind of do it all in one night, (laughs) which leads to, like, these two-and-a-half-hour podcasts. <laughs> Bro, do you still talk to Steve during the week now? Uh, Yeah, 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 we do. Um, okay. Not as much. Like, yeah. it, so before, like, my commute was um, 30-ish minutes or so, and I hate driving. So we used to, like, talk 
almost every day for like 30 to 45 or however many minutes. And now it's like the podcast and then like weekends kind of. So the things have shifted a bit, but no, we're still yeah. good. Yeah. yeah well, Tom, Tom and I used to throw, remember we were talking like we we're throwing messages around every day. Remember? Yeah. This was, that was sort of the same origin story with, uh, with Ian and I. Yeah, we used to talk constantly, and now I I literally talk to him only on Mondays. Like, the weirdest part about starting a podcast with one of your close friends is you'll start having a conversation, and then 30 seconds in, you're just like, we should say this for the podcast, right? And then you, and then you just forget. You just don't actually address it on the podcast. So you're just like, let's not talk so we can talk later, and then we don't. It's, it's well, like all of the emails we get. <laughs> it's okay the dude emailed this back and was like it's fine don't worry about it I, like, oh, I, feel, <laughs> I feel i feel bad well lawrence you don't know this yet because you're not a boomer but basically if i think of something if i don't write it down it's just gone like oh no, that's totally me. yeah that's really so, i have okay. to keep like a, a note in my um phone of just like topics i want to discuss or just like ideas or whatever otherwise like like, I have so many things going through my head constantly or just, like, from work to magic to other things that, you know, I I can't keep track of it all. It's like if I tell myself I'm going to remember something later, that's not happening. Yeah, it's just, it just doesn't work anymore. Like, it just stopped working at some point. I don't know. So I used to be is, real good at that. This is why we make show notes. I'm surprised that we've made it 15 minutes into the episode and you haven't brought up... What happened yesterday? Uh, that, that I moved to nine and zero in my fantasy league. Is that what happened yesterday? Oh sure, we can. Yeah, that's great. We can definitely talk about that. Or was Why it Bill, Bill Belichick attack Patrick Uglo twenty times? Oh, <laughs> I don't. I don't understand what this means. Lawrence, you don't watch football? Nah, I know I'm black, and you'd think I would, but uh, I just have never cared. Um, wow. Like you're in Ohio though. Oh, that's like football capital. That's like Canton. Dude, Ohio. So okay, here's here's where Ohio leads in sports. Rank one, meth. Right. <laughs> rank, rank two, heroin. Rank three, areas that you shouldn't go if you're black after like sundown. And then it's like everybody loves Ohio State or. Everybody, or you just hate Ohio State. There's no in-between. I guess there's, like, people like me who just don't care. But there isn't, like, oh, I kind of, you know, I'm down to go to an Ohio State game. It's either, like, I love Ohio State, I don't want to go to an Ohio State game because I don't care about football, or I root for Michigan because the Ohio, I don't know. We're just set tripping, right? Like, Ohio State versus Michigan is just, like, the most gentrified version of Crips versus Bloods ever. Oh, yeah. So... What about what about Believe Land? Is that not a real thing? What? Believe Land, like Cleveland, like the uh, the LeBron James phenomenon where like they finally won a title. Is I that... literally have no idea what you're talking about. Wow, oh, all right. I guess it's yeah. not a thing. I I mean, not after he left again. You have to like message Cedric Phillips about that one. I. <laughs> My experience with Cleveland is like going to Cleveland and then immediately trying to forget that I was in Cleveland. So. Oh no! <laughs> Aren't you? I'm gonna have a long there? year. I'm gonna have a long 2020. 
No, dude, it's sweet. It's sweet. Like, you're going to be in Ohio. There's a decent... There's not an insane amount of Eternal stuff, but there's, like, a decent amount of Eternal stuff. There's, like, the Team Serious guys uh, and some other stuff. And then, like, usually when SCGs come to Columbus, there's, like, a Legacy Classic or something, at least. Okay. So, like, uh, I think there's one in January. Because um, there there's, like, a Team Modern SCG. So, like, they've acknowledged that the Midwest is a pretty decent area for Eternal stuff. And, uh... You know, you're not going to get completely dicked. It's, you're not going to get, like, East Coast stuff, but, you know, yeah. Magic Online is still your best friend. Oh, but yeah. you also have opportunities to do other things. And you're going to be... This is uh, where my ignorance shines through. You're going to be reasonably close to Michigan, maybe? Maybe? I'm close to uh, Erie, New York. Or Pennsylvania, rather. Hmm. Uh, I, I might be close to Michigan. I, I mean, I don't know how, how wide Ohio is at the top. Uh, find <laughs> out. <laughs> I, I haven't actually looked left. I've looked down and I've looked right. But uh, west, I guess it would be. I never looked west. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ, west. That's an interesting one. I've been at... Like, I basically stay where I am, where it's, like, this weird intersection of part of where I live is basically Kentucky, part of where I live is basically Indiana, and the rest is, like, dumpster fire Ohio. So, it's all just trash. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you're going to be, like, kind of close to Pittsburgh, and there seem, from what I can tell, there's a decent amount of legacy stuff that goes on there. Uh, nice, Mr. Nice Guy Games or something. That's where Brian Cobalt plays or something. They nice. like give out cookies as trophies, like these gigantic like cookies when you win tournaments or something. Are they uh, keto friendly? I do not I, believe they're keto friendly. <laughs> Fuck. I. I mean, what are you a bitch? I mean, maybe I, I should just get obese, bro. I'm a boomer. I, I, if I eat a milkshake, I gain like two pounds. That's just that's just how life is when you're you know in your forties. Not when you take as much Adderall as you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I gotta cut that. No, leave it. It's it's, it's November, bro. It's November. It's Jesus November. Christ. We're encouraging stimulants. Jesus Christ. November. Ah. Uh. All right. He's going to so, be the number one so draft this is actually pick a great in, a, segue, in the meth draft in Ohio next year. It's <laughs> a good segue, though, because we had Eternal Weekend in Pittsburgh. So I actually did a deep dive into the numbers, right? Eternal Weekend was in Philadelphia, 2014-2015, Columbus, 2016, and then Pittsburgh, 17-18-19. Okay, so you, know you want to know why Eternal Weekend left Philadelphia? Cost, I assume, no? Nah, the story I heard was that there was a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, and like Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh players are known for being like mad grody and just like and ridiculous. The people and shit I, all over the bathroom. Is that yeah, the story? I heard, yeah, I heard they just just like destroyed the bathroom, just just like completely disrespected them. Really? So they were, like yeah, hard game. Like tournaments. shit, like shit on the floors and on the walls, and they I, banned all hard games. I didn't hear about the feces on the walls, but like my, the, I got the paraphrase like Yu-Gi-Oh players destroyed the bathrooms. Um, 
card game tournaments were banned for like five years or something. So that's why Tournament Weekend went to Columbus and then like for some reason went to Pittsburgh. I'm obviously biased. I think Columbus is a better tournament city. Yeah, the yeah. short the short north in Columbus was awesome. Their convention center was under construction for a while, but I really liked going there. Dude, I Dude love the Columbus, Columbus Convention Center, even when it's under construction, is fire. And like one of the best things about the convention center is like Columbus. So so in terms of Ohio, if you pick a random spot, it's probably like seventy percent white people, and then like black people exist, and then like maybe Hispanics or like maybe other like you you randomly run into like other ethnic groups, and you're just like, how did you end up here? It does Columbus, seem like the most black and white state. Oh, dude, Dayton is like the weirdest. It's it's segregated as hell. It's so weird. Um, but it's not like like a. I don't know, like overarching segregation. It's like a internally regulated, like we're gonna keep to our area, you're gonna keep to your area type of thing. Oh. But um, with Columbus, there's like a lot of cultures. Uh, you can like, there's just a lot of cultures. So like the Columbus Convention Center has like a lot of really great food, and it's just like the shortest walk. And then you also have the North Market really close by. So in terms of, like, convention centers, there's, like, a lot of bathrooms, water, which was an issue at one eternal weekend, where, like, I was handing out my VIP pass to people to be able to get water. For that was the first, that. the first year in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. I was, like, giving my VIP pass to, like, friends so that they could actually drink. And, like, you know, if somebody at eternal weekend hears this and bans me, like, whatever. R.I.P. R.I.P. Adam Wallace for getting threatening... Are getting threatened to be banned from Hard Titan events for posting on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I was in that event. The good old, uh, here's our prize payout. And then at the end of it, like, Adam Wallace comes up to me. He's like, yo, dude, we got dicked. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, we got dicked. They, they misposted the prize payout, so they just changed it. And it's like they did, just didn't tell us until after the event. It was just like, oh damn, got me, I guess. But um, yeah, it was like it was it was less brutal. It was more obnoxious. Like I was more annoyed by the fact that I like misplayed myself out of top eight than anything. But it was still just like kind of like the shit icing on the cake. Yeah. <laughs> so so you would rank it Columbus over Philly over Pittsburgh, or Pittsburgh's better than Philly? I haven't been to Philly. I, oh, I, I can't rank Philly, but uh, I'm a big fan of Columbus over Pittsburgh. Um, my friend group notoriously just doesn't like Pittsburgh. Like, every time we've gone there, it's just been, like, something weird has happened to make it a miserable experience. You know, like Eternal Weekend with no water. A GP that's, like, kind of miserable. And, like, the only food nearby is a Jimmy John's, right? Like Jimmy John's but, sold out of bread that Grand Prix. The modern one that capped. People were in the Jimmy John's, and Jimmy John's is like, we don't have bread. Because it's the only walk, it's the only food you can walk to from the, like, uh, convention center and yep. be able to get back in time. So, like, like, yo, pass me that unwitch, my guy. Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, like we, we wrap and lettuce out this bitch. But, um... <laughs> But, um, no, like, the last time I was in Pittsburgh, me and my dudes went to dinner at the same place every night and got horchata and tacos. Like, every night, 
we were just like, we found one spot that doesn't suck in Pittsburgh. We're just going to run it back every single time. Done. Like, whatever. We don't care if there's maybe better spots. Horchata, tacos. At the same time, those two things? Yeah, yeah. Like, one of my dudes drank a pitcher of sangria. Okay. <laughs> just by himself. Just, like, that's just... Did he, did he, was he mixing drinking sangria and horchata? Because that sounds fucking no. awful. <laughs> no, no, no. He was just okay. straight sangria. Uh, I think I mixed a little sangria and horchata, but for the most part, like, <laughs> fish... Like, I switched up the tacos daily. It was, like, steak and then, like, fish tacos, but... It was, we just ran the same place back. It was just like, this is safe. <laughs> this yeah. is safe. We're not gonna, we're not gonna risk getting blown out. I've been there for sure. So when we had this in Philadelphia in 2014, we had 481 players for Legacy. Then 2015, 744. Columbus, 410 in 2016. So we took a, took a regression. And then Pittsburgh's been 711, 628, and this was 539 for Legacy. So pretty good attendance, honestly. Like historically, looking at it, you know, there's some spikes up to 700, but you know, this is sort of a leveling out, I'd say. And I think 550 is a pretty good number, right? Well, Magic players are creatures of habit, right? So if you have the an event in the same spot yearly, people are gonna go, or like, you know one guy will go one year and then like next year he'll drag his friends along. Right. Yep. And if you move it, there's going to be a dip in attendance. So you're heavily benefited by just having it in the same spot each year because eventually like people will just come along and just go for it. So, so if you build it, they will come. Right. Exactly. It's like, people will be angry at first. It's just like, Oh, it's not in, you know, I knew guys who could, hop out of bed, hop on a bike, ride their bike to Eternal Weekend in Philly, like, wake up 15 minutes before the tournament, like, be good. And, of course, they're going to be, like, mad. But, you know, maybe you should have squared up with some (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh! Don't square up with (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh! players, dude. I've heard of Yu-Gi-Oh! players, like, curb-stomping people in parking lots because they lost the game in FNM. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah, it gets real. (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh! players are just, like, Sir, did you get winded by letting your dog out? Is this what I have to look forward to in my life? Yeah, it's it's tough, man. You know, Jesus Christ, I've got bone spurs. I've got a uh, congenital heart, something. Like oh, the longer, wait, what? the longer I'm alive, the more I think that like man had it figured out when the life expectancy was thirty. Yes. Right? Oh yeah. Like you're just like oh. Hit 18, have a kid, die by 30. Like, that's that's kind of just perfect. Like, you do everything you want in life, but you don't have to deal with prostate cancer. Yeah, you peak, and then you go out on top. Like, I, I'm totally on board with that. I, li- I like the sound of that. Yeah, like, now there's a steady decline, and then you're, like, trying to, like, not let it be a decline. And then you're, like, the guy in the YMCA, like, bicep curling five pound weights in the pool or whatever right like you know, nobody wants to be that guy you just want to you just want to go out you know just call no, it a day. I, i'd rather be i'd rather be that guy and alive than dead <laughs> you're you're just saying that because you have a kid yes absolutely <laughs> you have something to live for the rest of us don't uh-huh. <laughs> we have legacy. 
Oh. <clears throat> Straight to the heart. <laughs> hey, you guys are the ones who called it the dead format, yep. and then uh, Watsi announced Pioneer, so. <laughs> well, so speaking of dead formats, Modern at Eternal Weekend drew 84 players. Did you see the tweet where they're like, there's going to be thousands of extra people <laughs> playing Modern there? Modern's so much more popular. Dude, did you guys I, see that? I was loving that. I sent that to the group chat. I was like, like this that, one. Well, that's where I saw it. This one guy's like, they better up security because they're going to get a thousand players for this five hundred player event that they're used to. So eighty-four two fucking people show up. Two anecdotes. One, nobody's traveling to Eternal Weekend to play Modern for Card Titan store credit when there's an SCG every other week slash an IQ or whatever GP IQ actual SCG. PPTQ, FNM, like people are just going to go to that. There's so much modern that the like internal weekend incentive isn't there. Right. Two, on like Tuesday night before eternal weekend, Jody Keith messages me and just like, yo, can you give me a vintage deck? And I'm like, not on this short of notice. Um, for history purposes, like the first time it was in Pittsburgh, I was able to get Jody Keith power for eternal weekend. Yeah. And um, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not not at this point. Like, I like none of my connects are going to be able to hook you up at this point. And uh, then he top eights, but yep. I told him that he should play the modern tournament because I was like, there's going to be nobody in it. It's going to be a free roll. And um, if I was at Eternal Weekend this year, I probably would have played modern over vintage, even though I probably played less modern. I probably played the uneven amount, but I played like zero modern and vintage and i would rather just like take the chance to spike modern over playing like paper vintage than i would uh you know it's i mean it's gonna be easier to get a deck right and the the prizes are actually kind of easier to cash out because it's not like a painting and in, involved in the mix right uh i think there was a painting i can't quite remember but there's also just like Playing vintage is uncomfortable because you sit down and, like, your opponent's, like, overly nice because they're like, holy shit, I get to play vintage. And then, uh, like, you don't want to shuffle your opponent's deck or, like, cut your opponent's deck because you're just like, this deck is worth more than me. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, like, I'll stick to vintage on Magic Online where I don't have to worry about all these other things. So, you know, I'll just play Magic. Or modern, right? Just Bro, I was watching the coverage. So many of the decks were so fucking pimp too. Like, I, and I saw like some of the tweets too, like Sean O'Brien's deck and like a couple other people's just fucking unbelievable decks. Rich Shea tweeted out Steve Menendian playing old school against some guy who was using like alpha playtest cards, and I was just like, that isn't even the hardest flex I've seen at Eternal Weekend. Uh, <laughs> Jaco used money as his life pads. He was just, like, pulling dollar bills out of his, like, wallet and writing his life total on that. Like, bruh. Eternal Weekend has the most, like, hardest, weirdest flexes ever, right? Yep. <laughs> Dude, his deck, and just in general, man, like, that's like a, I don't know, 50, 100, whatever, thousand dollar deck, his old school deck, that he's just drawn all over. Like, the, oh, there's yeah. cards that look like treasure maps, and there's cards that look like fucking... I don't know. 
they went through the wash. Like, like there's just every card is just altered incredibly, like very, very well, very tastefully. But like, you're just giving up on reselling it at that point, right? Oh yeah, obviously. Like he makes some people. I assume he makes enough money to just not care. So it's just like, here's this luxury I item. So. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. I'm going to have a fully altered collection. Because, like, I've never seen that guy play with an unaltered card. So, like, you know, I I feel like, you know, Jacob walks into a tournament and is just like, it smells like broken here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Are those white-bordered dual lands? What's it like being a peasant? Yeah. For, this uh, isn't a reflection of his actual character. I don't, like, know the guy. It's, like, pretty cool from what I understand. But Seems like a nice guy. And Old School got over 200 players. So that, from 2014, has gone from 12 players to 50 players to 186 players to 114 to 180 to over 200. So now so, old school is corporatized. Yeah, it's so y'all are gonna stick to playing Alpha Forty. Is that the new one? Bro, yeah. Well, so the NEOS group, like people were like, "Oh, post your decks from uh from EC or old school or whatever it's called, Eternal Weekend," and they're just like tog deck, tog deck, tog deck. It's like, okay, this is fucking standard at this point. Like, what, what's going on here? You know, it's getting it's getting a little too big. Well, it turns out that when you have a format that has a very limited card pool. And you add more players to it, it gets solved, right? Yeah, I, so, if that's, if that's the incentive, right? So, like, you can only go so far in terms of deck development. Like, at first, there may be a seeming eco, like a seemingly ecosystem or whatever of uh, decks that'll pop up and go down or whatever pop up go down. But ultimately, somebody's just got to figure it out. Just like, here's the best deck for the card pool. And once you hit that point, it's just like, well what are you going to do? Right. Well, usually you, you hope that you get like a triangulation. Sure. Like the rock, paper, scissors metagame of like people play deck a because it's good. And then like people start switching to deck B because it it beats deck a. And then people will go to deck C because it beats deck B. And you just cycle through that in theory. Um, But I don't, I feel like more and more as we play magic, we're just seeing like, People pick deck A and then people go to deck B and then people figure out deck like C that beats both decks A and B and they just sit there. And then any sense of format diversity isn't a matter of what's actually good, but what people like to play, right? Yes. That's the, okay. I think that that's yeah. the biggest problem right now is that people don't innovate for themselves. There's like these little pockets of innovation. And if there's no incentive or no tournament to get these people to come out, that people are just like, oh, this format's broken because I'm still playing this deck and still losing to that deck. It's like, or they're not thinking about it themselves. They're like, exactly. I'm just going to copy Lawrence Harmon's Rugged Over list. Right. Yep. So, uh, so it's very frustrating to me to, and I don't know if this is true for Standard right now or not. I'm, I'm assuming that it's not because there's enough pros banging on Standard, I'd think. But like, you know, you you see this happen with these formats where it's like, oh, this is just hopelessly broken when it's really not you know you can you can craft a way to beat it uh with standard and pioneer to a degree i understand people's complaints or actually every format this year has been terrible in terms of card design um just like 
like legacy and vintage have been kind of the homes for broken cards, right? Like if you want to like graph things, you could look at a lot of cards as just like one axis is rate versus like the other axis is power. Like how much you pay for an effect versus the impact it has on a game, uh, either at a particular instant or as it extrapolates across a number of turns. And a lot of cards are linear and magic is in general, just a matter of finding cards that have like a parabolic curve Yeah, where like you want your, you want to pay less mana for a disproportionately powerful effect. And in some cases there's been players who have realized, Hey, this card is really busted for way less than it should be. And that's like something I can exploit. Or, like, in this year's case, it's just, like, this card is busted. It's it's not like a it's not like a secret thing somebody found. It's just, like, here's these overtly powerful, under-costed effects that do way too much relative to, like, the game and just, like, destroy people. And it's, it, it leads to very uninteresting game states and just, like, play patterns and... Ugh. Yeah, I think that so you know this dude, uh, the guy who top forward the PT the the team PT with death and taxes. I think his name is Alan Wu. Yeah, he's uh, really good at magic. And yeah, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, he posts a lot of like philosophical questions that are really interesting. Yes, exactly. Did you? But did you see his suggestion for nerfing planeswalkers like a couple hours ago? Just make the combat step a combat step, and any unblocked creature can then deal damage yes. to a planeswalker as opposed to. Um, I really like that. Like declaring it up, at up front. That's yeah. I, I'm not sure if it would help legacy necessarily. Like I think our problems might be a little bigger than that. But just for the game in general, I think that that would actually help bring the the power of planeswalkers down relative to creatures. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's. It's interesting because it takes agency away from the blocker, right? It it gives a lot of impetus for the attacker and just gives them a lot of the ability to really do things. Um, but it it's it creates a lot of like mental sub games, I guess, which could be interesting. But they're also like kind of obvious because planeswalkers create. Uh, these game states where you have to hyper-focus in on them as opposed to what your opponent is doing. And that isn't necessarily fun for players, right? Like, at, at its core, Magic is a game based around fun as opposed to just, like, the generic idea of, like, robotic, mindless metagaming and this the like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's simpler if it simplifies it at all. <laughs> all right. The uh, yeah, I don't know. I've heard a few suggestions recently, and I I do think that I don't know. It feels it feels stupid to say something has to be done, but like it kind of it kind of does feel that way right now, right? Where it's like Teferi, Oko to a lesser degree, but Ren to a higher degree. And Narset are just like, what? What's going to come along to invalidate these cards? 
Well, I think they need to print more specific, cheap Planeswalker removal. And the fact that they've been pushing Planeswalkers as Mythics to sell packs is sort of coming back to bite them because they're, they're so powerful. You, you have extremely powerful creatures, but very, very effective and efficient removal to take care of them. The best way of dealing with Planeswalkers is like crap like Pithing Needle. I mean, Hero's Downfall, which is well, it's like a br- abrupt decay, but you have to be in those colors, right? Right, I, and black, yeah. I think the ultimate issue with most Planeswalkers is the fact that they come down and then they immediately warp the game around themselves. But not only that, they create at least a card's worth of advantage when they hit the table, yeah. if not more. And the a lot of the Planeswalkers that have been printed this year have like static abilities or or just like very overtly powerful so like not only do they create like a card's worth of a effect but it's not like you know like a narset right it it is a dig through time on suspend but on top of that it also it impulses just, like, sure it impulses yeah. dig through time suspend whatever like it's you get to see uh, 10 cards if you include your draw step, right? And you get to pick a lot of good cards out of it, right? But also, it cuts off cantrips, which are just like a huge core of uh, legacy gameplay. And you could argue, maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe players shouldn't be able to freely play cantrips without uh, having some sort of punisher effect. And I totally understand that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's there's enough cantrip punishing effects in Legacy. There's Chalice, although Chalice is down. There's Thalia, although Running Six is pushing Thalia down. There were taxes and answers to cantrip-based decks, but honestly, playing a cantrip-based deck is fun. Like, you cast Ponder, you cast Brainstorm, you're making a meaningful decision that makes you enjoy the game more. And I... I think that cantrips are a net positive for gameplay because it makes you feel like you have more more control over your game. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. so variance is an integral part of magic. Um, when you look at games like uh, Hex or whatever, they have algorithms that cut out mana screw, mana flood, and various other things. And um, that's okay to a degree. But what makes magic interesting is it's not like chess where like the best better player always wins. Like you could have someone who's been playing magic for three days, play against John Finkel. Right. And there's a world where like they're going to beat John Finkel and they're going to go, Oh man, I just beat the greatest player in the world. And they're going to feel good about themselves. It's not going to be like, Oh yeah, I played against John. He destroyed me every time. Like he may destroy you 99% of the time, but like that 1% or whatever that's going to be enough. And if that happens, that's going to give you the confidence to keep going. And um, it... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, this happens. I don't, like, I don't have conversations a lot. Like, so I'll, like, talk and then lose my train of thought because I'm not used to, like... I know, I know where you're going with it, but I'm just enjoying this too much. So, like, the variance, <laughs> the the variance fail yeah. rate for magic... Right, right. Is what? Like, what percentage do you think it is? 
I don't know what the percentage is, but having that variance ingrained in the game is a good thing because just having like all variance is bad. No variance is also like in theory bad, right? So just having a certain amount of variance is good, which is like where magic lies, where you have resource systems in terms of like mana and everything. And that allows you to properly like it, it adds a extra level of intricacy in deck building, right? Should I play 18 lands? Should I play 19 lands? Maybe I want to play 25 lands and 61 cards, right? It adds that extra, that extra flavor as opposed to other games where it's just like, here are the numbers you should play to maximize this algorithm that's encoded in the game. Makes sense. So, yeah. So, I think that Legacy, what I like about it is that you can sort of mitigate the variance with the cantrips. But there's also this other layer where you can just play decks, like you mentioned, like Chalice, Thalia... You know, decks like that intended to prey on these decks. And, like, Leovald was was a card that was more fair, I think, that punished cantrips in in a more reasonable way where you do get two-for-one answering it, but if you if you don't answer on the stack. But, you know, it was less oppressive than Narset, in my opinion. But, like, a, another fair way to punish cantrips, I think. And you have that, that variance of, like, okay, I'm just going to slam Chalice and play Blood Moon and just prey on these decks, right? And I think that we're, we're to a point now where maybe those decks have become too resilient, where that that sort of variance outlet has been cut off. Well, Grixis Delver is just busted, right? Um, Rob Delver? Rob Delver, Grixis, Jesus Christ. Or, no, yeah. Grixis was before, yeah. <laughs> Grixis was, but Rob Delver is busted. Sorry, I've been thinking about, like, if Ren and Six gets banned, what I'm going to build. And I've been, like, running through various, like, iterations of like rug and grixis delver that i could play without the card wilson's uh, uh rh wills rh wills grixis build i was actually considering putting together for the leaving legacy open that i decided to play burn in um you forgot the face I, of your father i know oh dude i i felt bad as soon as i showed up and i played against my round one opponent and i won with burn i was like i feel i feel bad but I'm not going to apologize. And then the rest of the day, you I didn't got, do the best. You just got uh, dumpstered by people who played Torment by Life on turn two and never had to cast another threat, right? No, I got dumpstered by Enchantress. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> I played against Enchantress twice. My my camera solitary round opponent played, played uh, Solitary Confinement and Leyline of, uh, Ley of Sanctity against me. And I'm like... Yep, <laughs> that's good. Bro, you either die a hero or live long enough to cast Lava Spike. <sighs> I did it. I did it. I played Lava Spike in Modern in a few Grand Prix, but man, it was different playing it in Legacy. Oof, that is. You deserve that. You. De- I did. I did. You, I you did. deserve that. To be honest, yep. like that's you deserve that. Mm. <laughs> yep. All so- right, on to more positive things. So the so Lawrence, you're the only one of us, I believe. We had a ten minute conversation before this podcast started. So no, we're leaving all that. Not all, not all that. We're leaving some. <laughs> we're leaving some of that in. All right. Well, some Lawrence was able to watch some of the coverage of the Legacy Eternal weekends, and well, what did you think of the coverage first of all? Just not not the specific like results of the event, but just the coverage, the presentation. 
I think Anurag Das is a great commentator. I also think Eric Virgo is a great commentator, and I would love to see them again next year. Nice. Was were, were they able to play in the event? Or... <clears throat> yeah. So Eric um, sub to my podcast Patreon, and uh, shout like, out I... <laughs> shout out to Thirst for Knowledge Cast, which honestly is like the most constructive Discord that I'm a part of. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just like someone posts a question and then like four dudes all post answers and they're just like, here's things you should consider. And it's it's really nice. I love it. Like most um most public forums are people who I I had I wrote this breakdown down somewhere. It's like eighty percent dudes who aren't really that good but want to be respected, so they just like aggressively scream at you. Just 10%. status quo shit, yeah. That, yeah. That's me. <laughs> I, I think you're definitely better than that, Tom. Okay, And then it's I like 10% that. dudes who are like like decent at magic and understand that and they want to learn. And they, they just like want to have constructive conversations, but it's very hard to with like the masses screaming. Yeah. And then there's like another 5% of like dudes who are just, like, utter masters of the archetype or whatever, who just don't have a conversation, because a lot of legacy decks, like, to actually master them requires some really unorthodox thinking. Yes. And I feel like I left something out there, because there's another 5%. <laughs> whatever. Just 5% of us who are just contrarians and want to watch the world burn. Yeah, sure, whatever, right? Um, but like the morning of eternal week and Eric is messaging me about a stifle list. And it's like, I haven't played stifle in forever, my guy. And I was like trying to help him and just like, here's things that I think and whatever. But he basically, well, not basically he played one round of the legacy portion. He played a rug Delver mirror, which the rug Delver mirror used to be one of the most interesting matchups in legacy because there was, there was phases to it, right? It was like, Phase one was establishing your mana under Stifle. Phase yep. two was resolving the Mongoose. Phase three, getting Tarmogoyf down, or like, you know, when True Name came into play, resolving True Name, right? It was like, like, Rug Delver as a mirror has always been this matter of the threats are better than the answers that you have to the threats. Yeah. And when you had Stifle, there was like this whole, like, dance. It was like a really interesting gameplay. And... Right now, the Dovermere is nothing like that. And it's just a complete dumpster fire. And he played a Dovermere against the opponent who was competent, lost, and was just like, yeah, I'm done. I'm just going to hang out. <laughs> and just 0-1 dropped. Wow. And, like, I totally get that. Like, the Dovermere is just, like, one of the least enjoyable matchups I've played in a while recently. And I used to love them. Like, yeah, Dov I, I totally agree with that. Sorry, I interrupted you. I was just no. gonna say, Tom, you remember the Bant Blade Mirror? Yeah, it was it was stupid. The, the it was very little skill. It's like now. Yeah, you you get your true name in play, and you're like, let me put a jit on it and win. Yeah. Um. It's just yeah. like it's just who drew better, who's on the play, like you know, and a little bit of like like one read. You have to make like one read, and the game's over. Or you can just cross your fingers, you know? But, like, that's how the rug mirror is now. Yeah, yeah. just have, have days. 
do everything that you're going to do and make sure you have days. That's pretty I've cool. started jamming my two drop into days on my opponent just so they can't play a Renin Six or a Tarmogoyf. Because, like I said, like the threats are so much better than the answers. Like we have Submerge, maybe Dismember or whatever, but you can't really afford to play too many of those cards because you need answers for the rest of the format. So you end up in the spot where, like, if you look at the progression of Delver since Renin Six has been printed, it was like, Renin Six was printed, people played four-color Delver, myself included, because, like, the deck was just absurd, and you had a lot of just, like, powerful cards. Like, all of your cards were just nuts, if you could cast them. So, yeah. like, a lot of your game plan was just based around re- resolving and activating Renin Six so that you had a functioning mana base, because you were, like, the Badlands Days deck. And then Rug Delver popped up, and people started attacking your mana better than you could attack theirs, right? Like, Rug Delver doesn't care as much about Wasteland. You know, if you're playing four-color Delver and you get Wasteland off black, you lose X to, like, your Abruptacase or Gurmags. It was just a terrible ordeal. So a lot of people moved over to Rug Delver. And then from there, people were like, hey, this Rug Mirror is, like, kind of terrible. How do I how do I level that? And it was, I'm going to play Stifle. Okay, cool. So I'm not going to let my opponent play Magic, or I'm going to try and create this huge discrepancy in terms of mana advantage, and that's how I'm going to win the mayor. Now, at Eternal Weekend, or like at the last few events to a degree, we've seen people swing over to like Blue-Red Delver with uh, Stifle in the deck. And uh, it is... that. That's not a sub-game I want to be in, right? Like, you don't want to be in the sub-game of, like, basic lands plus stifle equals good in the format. That isn't enjoyable. Like, that's why you play Magic as a whole, like, to have some sort of fun. And it's, like, like, I like when Delver is the police of the format. Like, there's a lot of random things that happen in in Legacy that Rug Delver can keep in check and when it's just trying to keep itself in check via just cutting colors and adding more stifles and just like adding more things that create non-interactive games it's not it's not that good it's just terrible yeah i think that the the problem right now is it can't turn on itself because the the other answer to this question is Thoughtseize. And you can't play Bug Delver because you don't get Ren, right? Or or I guess there could technically be like a blue-black Delver you could play, but I'm not really sure that that's there either. So actually, it's like... Sorry to say? cut you off. I actually just wrote an article about why I don't like Bug Delver. Um, it's on the Patreon. It's free to access for people. Uh, it's like patreon.com backslash thirst for cast or something. Um, but I'm pretty adamant that like playing Delver decks without access to reach is just like a terrible idea. And I think it is now. Yeah. Do you think like, that historically that was correct too? Well, historically death rate shaman acted as your reach, right? Well, true. Yeah, true. So you still had like air quote reach. Uh, but now you just don't. So what, in short, like what happens is your deck isn't that good in the early game. Your deck isn't good in the late game because you can't steal games. And like your mid game plan is like 
okay-ish. So you're just playing a, a much fundamentally weaker deck. Yeah. Yeah, like, when, when I go around this problem in my head, because I, I sort of set it up like there's these pillars of, of jumping out ahead where there's, like, Mox Diamonds, there's Days, and then there's Thoughtseize plus Days as a way to beat just Days. But you can't actually play... I don't think you can play Bug Delver. I think that that's the problem with this meta, why it's not... why it's cycling to Blue-Red instead of cycling back to Bug or Esper or stuff like that is because I just don't think that... I think that Ren is just too powerful to give up, like, against the rest of the field. Yeah, Ren is an absurdly powerful card, and... And Lightning Bolt, like aren't said, good. Lightning Bolt is that reach, right? Right. Like, uh, I posted a... And uh, Bug doesn't have, a, like, a, a Planeswalk, like a Magmatic Sinkhole. It just has Abrupt Decay, which is so vulnerable with, without Deathrite Shaman to, to get the mana online. It's, it's interesting, man. I, it, it, I, I do think it's kind of broken, though. Yeah, I posted a question on Twitter. Like, would Raymond 6 be okay in Legacy if it started at two, two loyalty instead of three, right? So, like, regardless of what it does, you get to Lightning Bolt Raymond 6. And the majority of the answers were yes, but, like, there are a few people who posted, like, questions. It's like Eric Virgo uh, stated, you know it sounds kind of miserable if you, like, play your threat and your opponent goes Ren and Six minus on your threat, and you go Ren and Six minus on their Ren and Six. It just creates, like, oh, yeah. the, the mental misstep sub-game, but, uh, but, like, slower, right? Yeah. And it's, it's still just, like, not an enjoyable dynamic. Um, it... I voted yes in that poll, for the record. <laughs> I, I think... I, I think that would help a lot. I wasn't quite sure. Like, at first take, it's like, yes. Like, being able to lightning bolt a Ren and Six, you know, like, right now, the answers for it are Magmatic, Sequel, and Blue Blast. And if you're boarding in Blue Blast against Delver, it's like, they have maybe some number of lightning bolts, and then maybe some number of Ren and Six, whatever. Uh, some people may cut them, you know? Yeah, and, and they're Red Blasts, I guess. Right, and Red Blast. But that isn't a reliable game plan. So, like, your the experience I've had, at least in the Merit, and a decent number of matchups is, like, you draw Blue Blast, and it just sits in your hand for three turns until your opponent does something relevant to it. Yeah. Because they're, it's it's not a significant percentage of their deck. And you just want to cash it in. You don't want to shuffle it away because it's potentially so valuable, but then it can just rot, and you can just get screwed by it. So I know what you're saying. And exactly. It's frustrating. It it just doesn't create like good game play patterns and it just it's it's a yikes for me, dog. <laughs> Alright, so the top eight of this event, as you alluded to, we saw two blue red Delver decks, actually two very different blue red Delver decks. One of them went stifle small, one of them went big with like brazen borrowers and stuff. Uh the the smaller one was on like Storm Chaser Mage, like an older older version with like a fire blast, and then the newer one was more like what we'd expect. There were two rug decks, one with stif rug delver decks, I should say, one with stifles and one with thought scours, similar to the build we saw win the challenge last week. There was a four color delver deck with two okos that was more like the list that Lawrence had popularized about three months ago, and there was ant with just a typical ant build, no wish pause. Uh, 
a bug depth deck that was uh, that dude Luino from our Discord. Uh, shout out to him for yep. top eighting. And supposedly there was a bug delver deck in top eight. I didn't see the list though. Uh, I have no idea if there was bug delver. Um, to my understanding, the deck lists aren't up yet, so they'll be up at some point. Yeah, I think we only have the ones that were posted on coverage. Yeah, we got seven of eight. Yeah. So yeah, they said. One, I have no idea. They said there were a couple of four color Delver, but then like when they showed the deck list, it was just Rug Delver with insert arbitrary angle of attack for the format. It was like Turbo Hooting Mandrels or Stifle. Yeah, kind there, of whatever. there was what legitimately though one four color Delver. Right, which um. I played a lot of Four Color Delver. I really enjoyed that deck initially, and I'm not sure how people are justifying playing it, because that deck's mana is real bad. It's awful. Like, it's horrible. It's it's real bad. You have, like, two black sources. You can get Wasteland off of black. Like, I I was going to watch a Minguchi uh, Four Color Delver video, or video, as he calls video. it. Yeah, lazy video. It's it's why I'm Jeremy Gucci. Um, and like the top comment was just like, "Is this me or did these black spells just sit in our hand after we like got yeah. wasteland or whatever?" It's just like, yeah, that's that's too real. Um, I've lived that truth, and I'm not trying to relive it right now. So I just moved on. Dude, and, I've, I've I've won games just constantly with that deck, not having black ever. Just, like, dead cards in your hand. It's it, And that's when you realize that Rug is just good enough, right? Yeah, like, the whole thing with, like, Four Color Delver is, um... Your spell suite is just, like, absurdly good. And if you can cast all your spells, you just destroy everybody. It's not even remotely close. But if people disrupt your mana base, you kind of just awkwardly sit there and, uh... Draw abrupt decays with a Valk and a Wasteland. You start, yeah, you start googling nearby bridges. Um, <laughs> yeah, trying trying to close a game out and drawing abrupt decay is the worst. Ugh. So you yeah. are bringing flashbacks to many Emoto leagues, <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, it is not an enjoyable experience. So yeah, for overarching trends, I guess five Delver decks, uh, three Ren decks, uh, fat, two fast-ish combo decks. They're actually like medium combo decks, I would say. But this is uh, this is kind of what we'd expect for a top eight. I do think that four color Delver is actually a little better in this particular meta game because Eternal Weekend seems to be like the hobbyists really. Where it's like you can get you can get actually like a, a more varied field than like say a challenge or even like a, like you'd expect at an SCG. That that's that's my interpretation of it. I don't know how you feel about that, Lawrence, but I actually think that that it might be more valid for an event like Eternal Weekend where people are showing up with crazy shit like Enchantress or whatever, where you just have like abrupt decays, you have thought seizes potentially. So I, I don't hate the choice for this weekend, but in general I don't think it's the better deck. No, I, I agree. Like, Eternal Weekend is kind of just, like, dudes coming out who want to flex their dual lands or whatever. So they're, you know, there's going to be a sub-aspect of just people just playing the the cards that they have in Black Border or whatever. 
And um, I agree. There's there's just people playing the things they want and less just hardcore metagaming, right? Like, I think a lot of people who hardcore metagame have moved over to Rug because the mana is less susceptible to Wasteland and a little easier to manage than the four-color deck, even though, like, yeah, you're very definitely less powerful, but who cares? It doesn't matter. It's not, like, a huge shift in power. It's it's fairly minor. Yeah. So. So I just wanted to shout out real quick, uh, top finishers, not in the top eight, but people that we've, we know we've had on, uh, Jesse Inman, who, uh, qualified for the PT playing Rug Delver a few weeks ago and was on the cast with us. He started out, he was undefeated day one. He went 701 and then dropped a couple of matches and ended up in 25th. And I had to talk him out of booking a flight to Bologna today because he is, uh, very in on rug and really just wants to to get his chips down while uh, while rug is really good. No, I totally understand. Rug yeah. is rug is like legitimately busted, but you also have enough weird matchups. You just like have enough matches that you can misplay your way out of that uh, you can just get bodied. So. And it's not just that, but it's like, you know, even if you do have an edge, like, how big is an edge ever in Magic? Like, not worth flying to Bologna for. No, definitely Well, it not. depends. Like, if you're flying to Bologna for, like, three days where you're going to be, like, recovering from your flight, playing Magic, and then going directly home, it's probably never worth it, right? Right. If you're going to go for, like, a week and hang out and relax and have a great time, regardless of Magic, fucking do it. Yeah, I, I need to live vicariously through other people because I'm never leaving my house again now that I have a mortgage. My Maybe you shouldn't have a whack ass pull out game. <laughs> oh, oh! I hope my wife doesn't listen to that. <laughs> We're safe. Man. We're safe. <laughs> I mean, if anyone would know about your no. whack ass pull out game, it's gonna be your uh, wife. So <laughs> uh, we try. It wasn't this. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Never, forget it. I'm, done. I'm not not going to say anything more about this. So, I have so, one more white claw I'm going to open now. <laughs> That's it for me. <laughs> so yeah, DJ, our boy DJ Seco, 22 points. He was uh he had a win in in I believe on camera. So congrats to DJ. Uh, Romario, 21 points. Dominic at 18 was pretty stoked to make day two, and uh, Travis Parsley also day two. So yeah, just wanted to shout those dudes out. Nice job, way to represent for us. Yeah, I I want to give a shout out to Matt Kiefer too. Oh, I used yeah. to play a ton of Legacy with him. He's awesome. He started out day one at X and one, and had a camera match in day two that I got to check out the VOD of. Um, so good job to him, even though everything didn't end up the way that he really wanted it to. Yo, I will uh, say that I'm glad that Eastern Weekend has realized that it should be a two-day event. Because... Oh, yeah, dude, 11 rounds in one fucking day was insane. Not nah, yeah, dude, I remember my first Eternal Weekend, I went 3-0-0-2-5-0. Like, I remember every round, not every round, I remember my losses very vividly, and then, then I remember my last round very vividly, because my opponent just decided to lose. But um, it was it. There's an a point 
there was a point at Eternal Weekend where it stopped being enjoyable, and it was just like, holy shit, I have to play more Magic. And I appreciate them actually breaking it into a two-day structure so players can play a reasonable amount of Magic in one day, enjoy what's going on, and then move on with their lives. Yeah, playing playing any more than nine, maybe it's just that I'm not, like, used to it, but nine rounds is a fucking grind. Oh, dude, without buys, it's it's almost borderline undoable even at nine. Like, like... No, that's not true. Nine, I think nine is fine. I think nine is definitely, like, my threshold for, like... See, I think eight is great. I think eight is great, beats nine is fine. Uh, sure. I don't know what tournaments are doing eight rounds, but, uh... I don't know. Just in theory. I, I always, I don't know. I always feel like nine is just, like, fuck. Like, if you don't have a buy. Like, having a buy just matters so much. I but think nine I, is... I think nine is good because like nine is like that cutoff where like if you lose round nine, you know, like you're not top eighting or you're not you're not hitting the goal you want to. So maybe it's a good time to just reconcile that and move on with your life and do some other stuff. Yeah, I think eight is nine, like, nine is great because you still get like a normal go out to eat with your friends dinner time when the tournament is happening. So you still have like a normal night. If you're playing any more than nine rounds, you're there, like, way later than you want to be to actually be able to, like, de-stress and get some sleep and relax before the next day of the tournament. At least that's what it's like for me. Yeah, you're definitely there until, like, ten or whatever, and you're, like, sweaty, and you can feel, like, every ounce of sweat across your body. It's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's uh thank you, Card Titan, for making that change. It did seem to flow better for the coverage at least. Did you see in the deck dump? So I was trying to do no nothing. Uh, no nut November. And okay. this I, I just what? lost it when I saw this list, bro. Oh Jesus. Are we talking about the Mongoose uh Oko true name Stoneblade deck? Yeah, Arcan. Y- yeah. Okay, okay. One Arcan's true Jedi, but Oko, Oko in all of these lists just makes me, I don't know, makes me sad that Oko is the thing that the deck needed to get brought back. Plus Gilded Goose, like Gilded Goose. Goose, I love the Goose. Ah, have you ever played Oko? Ah, it's like like, ha- like the guy who ended up winning Eternal Weekend was like, I don't even think I really like Oko that much, and it's just like. It's just good enough as a one-of. Like, that's the thing. Like, in Legacy, we actually have an actual answer for it, whereas other formats don't. We have Pyroblast, whereas people just get to, like, you know, die mad. But, um... Yeah. But in in the band deck, right, you have have mana dorks that actually... you're, You're... Three drop your number of three drops benefits from your mana dorks, and gilded goose with Oko. Like, you can turn your food into a haste three three. Yeah, which makes which just makes a ton of difference against some of the decks in Legacy right now. I don't know. I really like it personally. I, I really want to try this deck. I know Dave Long almost top eight Eternal Weekend with Oko lands, and then Casey Lancaster is currently. 
4-0 in a league with Oko Lands, and he sent me his list. Uh, he he basically took Dave's list and cut the Magmatic Sinkholes for Abrupt Decays because um, Abrupt Decay is high-key nutso right now. Yeah. And uh, I wrote an article mentioning that I thought Lands was really good right now, but legacy players tend to like grasp on the sacred cows for dear life and just cling on to them and just never let go. Well, and, I think that uh, a uh, sorry, Mox Diamond, Mox Diamond is great right now. Yes, it is. And being able to abuse Mox Diamond along with all the other stuff just makes makes a ton of sense. I, I totally agree with that, man. I've been trying to figure out like Mox Diamond lists into like traditional, like more traditional decks that we think of like Stoneblade and stuff like that. I've been trying to incorporate diamonds and, and trying to break it that way because like you just need to get under people, you know? Well, Casey sent me his list and it is, um, it's 2019 lands. Uh, it's lands, but it has three ran and six, two abrupt decay and four Okos in it. He's, he basically took Dave, Long, Dave Long's list and then cut the punishing, not the puncture, the molten vortexes. Yeah. For Bructa Hay. And I think um, a lot of people have been latching onto punishing fires relevant cards in the format when it doesn't really do anything. Uh, sorry, Chase. I really don't like I dude, I just had this conversation with our, our buddy Tom Cairns. I he was talking about adding Punishing Fire to his snow deck and I'm like, dude, absolutely not. Like there's just no, no reason right now. It does it kills Delver Secrets, but it doesn't kill anything else. It it doesn't do enough. Like literally nothing else. It, it's it's crazy. It's like Punishing Fire is the worst it's ever been. Historically, it's been like, Oh yeah, I can punishing fire down my opponent's planeswalker, but it's like Punishing Fire doesn't do shit where your opponent's Planeswalker comes into play at six loyalty. Like, what are you going to do? Spend four turns answering an Oko? Like, ugh. Get out of here. Happen. It's no. just not going to happen. Just play a Prop Decay. Yeah. So. And do you know who Red Armada is online? Mm-hmm. Red Armada? Whoever that, is, whoever that is, I think they went 5 2 in the Legacy Challenge this week with four Oko lands, too. So they might be up on that up on that crew, or that might be like Casey, or I don't know who it is, but uh, yeah, I, I I saw that list and uh, I was pretty impressed with it, honestly. Yeah, I can dig it. Um, I think Dave's list was interesting. I think I think Casey going just like full all in four color is potentially right, probably right, to be honest. And, uh, like, lands as a strategy has been good against what the Delver decks do in general. And the biggest weakness has been just playing antiquated cards. Yeah. Yeah, it it was a deck that was very tuned for a totally different meta, so somebody's got to come along and fix it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's been bad. It's like, for years, people would say that uh, Tarmogoyf was a bad card. It wasn't Tarmogoyf that was bad. It was just every green deck that was bad. Well, I don't, I don't know. You could, you could have always played Delver with the green splash for Tarmogoyf, but there were just way, way too many cards that incidentally took care of Tarmogoyf as a threat. 
So Tarmogoyf was never a bad card, just the answers of the format lined up really well against it. There was Baleful Strix and more Swords to Plowshares. Like, it it wasn't a great position for Tarmogoyf to be in, right? No, yeah, yeah definitely. Yep. And, you know, we're seeing now, like, obviously Plow is just gone. Like, nobody's seen it. It's so hard to play Tundra. Like, every Delver deck is playing more Planeswalkers, every other deck is playing more Planeswalkers, just these awkward, hard-to-answer threats, and it's so hard to play Tundra. And the best answer you get for playing Tundra, the best fucking answer you get is Council's Judgment, a three-mana sorcery that needs needs double white. I think if you're playing Tundra, the best answer you get is monastery mentor like you just need to you need to use that to be able to pressure planeswalkers it's tough though because it's just going to be an elk yeah i um so i i've been doing some coaching and i was coaching guy and our opponent played a monastery mentor and we fought over it not because we actually cared if it resolved because we didn't oko in play it was just a matter of tapping them out so that they couldn't cast two spells in response to us stealing their Monastery Mentor. Yep. And uh, they died to their own Monastery Mentor. <laughs> and <laughs> it was... like I def- if, if that happened to me, I, I would quit. I would just <laughs> quit Magic. I would... Just, I'm done. Like I'm off it completely. So, did you see this burn deck, Tom, from the uh, Legacy Challenge? It's top the, 8. The top the big eight. burn deck? Yes. So, I, I took a look at it, and I still think that the regular burn deck is better. Not that I'm a burn expert. I went through three <laughs> in like, a local tournament with it. But I, I don't know if I can get behind the differences between this build. Like, oof. Yeah. So, real quick... Versus the regular deck, we've got in this deck four Seal of Fire, four Bone Crusher Giants, a Goblin Crater Maker, a Forked Bolt. Technically, I guess that's the difference, and a Magmatic Sinkhole. Now, the Sinkhole, like, doesn't that just not work with the plan? You want all of your cards to be able to get your opponent dead. Yeah. And that just, like, doesn't really do it. I know it's a very good card, but. You're not playing burn to, like, answer threats and then kill your opponent later. I mean... But I guess with, with the Bone Crusher Giants, you have, like, a little bit of flexibility. Yep. But I am I just... I don't know. I just don't know how they beat Oko, right? Like, I, I think that this has to be... An, this has to be, like, a, a reaction to that. Like... But, I mean, Oko... Uh, Oko is kind of slow against burn, at least on the draw... For your Oko yeah, opponent. Yeah. So, like, obviously, you get into a mid game state where you haven't killed your opponent and they have an Oko in play. You're not going to win that game. But against other decks, you hit that point, and it's, it, there are other cards that could do that to you. Um, Oko is just the most commonly played one from the rug version. Yeah, I guess they could just sideboard Pyroblast, right? Wait, sideboard, like, the burn deck? Yeah, like like have, yeah, there's other answers, right? They, they there are there are blasts. answers to it, but if you're sideboarding a bunch of pyroblasts with burn, it's probably not the best positioned. 
You know what I mean? So like, may, so maybe what this is is you have you have more creatures than Burn usually does because you have four Bone Crusher Giants and a Goblin Crater Maker. So maybe it's just Tarmogoyf. Oh yeah, that's definitely it, right? Magmatic Sinkle is your best answer for Goyf, and like Goyf is the best commonly played threat against your deck. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, like, I played against Burn where I'll play a Goyf and they'll have to two for one themselves to kill it. And I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's great. You're that's, at, that's gave me six life, yeah. Six, seven, whatever life, right? Yeah. A lot of the time, you're just better off just racing the Goyf. Like, so, it shuts down your Swift Spears and your Goblin Guides, but you, a lot of the time, can't afford to just two for one yourself. So what, what if they're so worried about Goyf, why are they playing Seal of Fire? If they're so worried about Goyf, why the fuck are they playing Burn? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. get the Seal of Fire. That's, I guess it's like a thing one... you can play and just, like, sit on for the whole game. I guess, yeah. It, it's just that one really, I don't know. I don't know what it's, to think about that. Like, you, you turn one, play Seal of Fire, and then your opponent's not going to turn one, play Delver, and then they're going to play Goyf on turn two. And then... As the game goes on, you're eventually going to be able to just cash in the seal fire on their face as opposed to uh, having to interact with one of their threats. Yeah. Maybe that's a play pattern. I'm I'm not sold. Yeah, I'm far from sold on seal. But I do like, I really do like Bonecrusher Giant. I'm not sure I like it in this spot, but I'm... Do you you think going up the curve and playing Bonecrusher Giant, like, that's, that's a lot of mana... I just I would just rather play Exquisite Firecraft, right? Right. Which <sighs> actually closes games. But hey, seventh place, you know, top eight with this list. Like maybe there's maybe there's angles here. I mean it does it does kind of solve the Tarmogoyf problem of getting two for one because you're not necessarily getting two for one, but you're slowing the game down to a point where I don't think you're comfortable anyway against bigger decks, so I don't know, man. Yeah, I I am by no means a burn expert, but I'm su- it's suspect. Yep. Were you singing that at work today? In what your head? you gonna burn? <laughs> <laughs> because as soon as we started that group chat, I was like, "Yep, that's I'm never gonna get rid of that now." <laughs> well, yeah, when when Lawrence was on last time, did I tell the story about when I smoked with Bone Thugs? Yes, you, you did. You, you did. did. I did. I, did I it make the cast? I don't know. I can't. I couldn't remember if I did or not. But I was. I was thinking about that on the drive home. I was like, oh man, I, I don't know if that's out in the world or not. So I don't think I kept it. Oh man. Do you want to tell the story again? No, no, no we don't have no, to. Just that, under, understand. No. I just wanted to make sure it, Lawrence knew it. Yeah. <laughs> this is back when I was like hyper editing, and I'm like. Oh man! If anybody like heard that I, I have a, a podcast uh, a co-host that did that, I could get in trouble at school. And now I don't even give a fuck. Yeah, no white guy with black friends. <laughs> oh. Hey, my city is very diverse. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay here. We're not in the middle of Ohio. Yo, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> my brother my brother and my sister are in ohio next year my I'm brother sorry. is right outside of cincinnati because he works Ooh. in louisville 
as a public defender. Okay. Or, uh, he he works in Kentucky as a public defender. He got transferred north. Louisville and my is sister. It is yeah. Thank you. Lawrence. Yeah. It's it's my, all the same. Uh, it's like really. My sister is going to be in Columbus at Ohio State next year. Okay, Columbus is like gas, and Louisville is basically Cincinnati. Um, like when I was going to UC, we would like our LGS was in uh, not Louisville, but like another like it was barely in Cincinnati. There's like a portion of Cincinnati that's basically just like acceptable human beings, and uh, yeah, that's where your brother's going to be. Hope, hopefully he's there. Yeah. Tom, how many the, siblings the weirdest do you have? Shit, the weirdest shit is, like, there are parts of Cincinnati where you have to, like, get on a highway, drive into Kentucky, and then drive back into Ohio to get to. <laughs> oh, bro, so we I... know about that in Connecticut with New York. It literally, it's like a cutout of the state of, like, parts of New York. But, it, yeah, Tom, how many siblings do you have? So I have two brothers and a sister. They're all younger. And my two brothers played Magic, but then quit. My The closest brother to me, Mike, played Magic and quit because I tried to explain to him that Black Knight still got killed by Wrath of God, even though it had Black Knight, uh, protection from white. And he thought that I was cheating, so we stopped playing. And my younger brother, John, actually st- like picked back up Magic when he was in uh, law school at Syracuse, and he hasn't played since then, um, but he he played a few tournaments while he was in college. Bro, you got to explain it using Ohio demographics. Then he would have got it. <laughs> oh Jesus! So if your black guy from Dayton walks into Medina, oh. <laughs> true story, dude. Medina is the whitest part of Ohio I've ever been in. Like. You walk into Medina, and, like, people look at you and are just like, oh, my God. Black people exist? I thought it was made up in the magazine. Like, it's so weird. Like, like I've never, like, you're in a spot where everybody's just looking at you just like, oh, my God, it's the Negras. (laughs) Is it a city or is it, like, a farmland? Medina is, like... So it's weird. Like, a lot of Ohio is just rural. Right, right. So, like, even the cities are kind of rural. So it's, like, it's not a... It's, like, in between a town and a city. Okay. Is it, like, mansions? Is it, like, mansions? No, it's just, like... Not, like, rich, rich place? Imagine just, like, the stereotype middle America that's, like, portrayed in movies, right? It's, like, Omaha. It's, like, Stepford Wives. Yeah. That's kind of... Dinos, like okay interesting i figured that places like that didn't exist anymore because of the internet but i'm like i'm probably wildly out of touch ah dude it's ohio we had there was a clan rally like four months ago in my city like yeah. Jesus christ ohio's the battlegrounds dude it's it's ohio <laughs> like you just get used to it you're just like oh yeah clan activity whatever <laughs> What's that? What's that dude's name? Uh, Machine Gun Kelly video. Oh, MGK. Yeah. Yep. The <laughs> so, guy rep uh, Cleveland since the Bone Thugs. Like yep. my my little brother, my little brother John, the one that played Magic, uh, is a public defender in Kentucky, 
and he's like yeah man like the clan the clan is active here and it just it blows my mind jesus christ nah so but. like growing up in dayton it's like there's like the west side dayton which is very black and then when you get to east side dayton it's like white and then inundated with crack and heroin and meth i guess i guess it's more meth and heroin like where the like the black side is more crack and then you have like a random hippie town and then uh Clan activity is just like random spots that are just like like Germantown. Um, I don't think Vandalia is like really really clanny. It's like another part. I can't remember the name, but like it's just like one of those things where you just like don't go places because you're not gonna get lynched. But after dark, it's gonna be real uncomfortable for you to be there. So and- have you ever like? Maybe this is, like, too personal, but have you ever been to a place where you're like, I 100% don't feel safe because of my race? Um, (laughs) so this is gonna be graphic, but I was, like, fucking this chick who lived in Germantown, and, um, like, when I was in downtown Germantown with her, we definitely got a lot of looks. She was a white girl, so, like, we got a lot of looks, it was kind of uncomfortable. Um, I know people who have lived in Germantown. Like, one of my friend's relatives, an interracial couple, lived there. And they, like, had flyers posted on their car of, like, how, you know, you can't let your beautiful white women date these niggers kind of thing. It was, like, one of those situations. Jesus. But this was, like, 15 to 20 years ago. So it's not as overt. But it's, it's like, you know, in my lifetime, I've been in certain areas of, like, the greater Dayton area and seen guys with, like, swastika tattoos walking around just, like, not giving a fuck. So, Damn. you know, it's, it's like, one of those things where, like, there are people who are, will see that and just, like, lose their shit. And there's me who's just like, yeah, white people. <laughs> and that's kind of where I'm at. Dude, I don't, I don't even know what to expect getting out there now. Did you? Yeah, I, okay. it, we're I, fucking sheltered here. I don't like the scent of sewage. I'm worried. I'm worried that my time in Boston has like has tainted me now. Yeah, it's I tainted you how? Because I'm. This is the, the only time in my life I've lived around like 90 percent white people. Like I, you lived in Connecticut. No, dude, it wasn't. It was nothing like. I guess it was sort of like Lynn, where I grew up. There, okay, Lincoln it was Park. like. It was easily one third black, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, dude. There, I mean, there's like there's real cities in Connecticut, like Bridgeport and New Haven and Torrington, mm-hmm. yeah, which is where I was. But yeah, I don't know, man, and especially Hispanic too. Yeah, so the demographics in the area that we're in is like, uh, it's it's very heavily Hispanic now, and the trend is the trend is more that in the future. I remember taking Spanish class in high school thinking, when am I ever going to fucking need to know this? And now I teach two classes where all the kids speak Spanish. I'm like, I wish I fucking paid attention. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yo, no hablo. And I wish I could. (laughs) Bro, some guy on the elevator the other day, just this this total white guy at work, like, you know, just like preppy looking dude. Yeah. I had my headphones on and I could see he was talking to me 
and I take off my my headphone and he goes Fortuna, and I was like, oh no, no hablo español, and he's like, he like looks at me all weird and he's like, does this smell bad, Fortuna? Like he was asking me about his sandwich, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I just walked up the elevator, dude. I didn't say anything. I was like, <laughs> no. So like where I work, it's like, so I'm one of three black people at my office, right? Like, there was literal one black person in my office before I started, and then we moved to another building, and then they, like, moved a different department from a different building to the building I'm in, and we have a third black person. There's literally three black people in my building. Like, that's it, <laughs> right? So, like, I I totally get where you're saying, and it's just weird, because we're all just like, uh guess we can't piss off the white people i guess or something like like how many mind you are, like the how many people are there total like a hundred or something no 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 it's like it's a growing company so uh hold on one sec I don't know. There's probably like 50-ish people or so, okay. but like, but the thing is, like, it's it's Ohio and it's like South Ohio, so it's like very Republican, right? Like, my my female boss made a hashtag Me Too joke. Uh, my Jewish boss made a Holocaust joke at one point. <laughs> like, that's just like the environment that I work in. <laughs> so it's just like I'm just like, yeah. Um, Yes, something about Jews dying. It's just like, uh, I don't know what to say here. Oh, like, uh, it's I'm gonna walk away. <laughs> that's that's basically it. Like, at work, I just like am just like no personality. I'm just like get in, get out. I'm because <laughs> like any like access stuff is just like that. That's just weird. It just starts getting really weird. Yeah, I could definitely see that, man. I, I don't, I don't envy you. I, uh... Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, welcome to Ohio. I'm, try, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to imagine. Yeah, it's okay. You're gonna be in North Ohio, not South Ohio. Like, <laughs> hopefully, you'll be away from all the meth and heroin and just like racism. Dude, I see, th like these words don't mean anything to me. Like North Ohio, South Ohio, until I get there, you know. Like, I'm sure I'll understand it like within a week once I'm there. So South Ohio, remember that guy who got shot in the Walmart? You got to be more, more descriptive. I can think of a few guys. <laughs> Lawrence is like the the unarmed black man shot in the Walmart, and he's like, no, that's 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 still not specific like, enough. Uh, John Crawford, I think, was his name. Uh, basically, there's a black guy who was shot at Walmart that I used to live five minutes from. Oh, really? And recently. No, it was like a couple of years ago. It was okay. like four four-ish years ago, something oh. like that. But it was like one of those things of like Ohio's an open carry state. Black guy walks into Walmart, picks up an airsoft gun that is sold in the Walmart, and is like wants to buy it and it's like walking around the store to like get other shit. Somebody calls the cops, cops gunning down. Oh fuck. That's Ohio. And it's just like, yeah, there's like oh man. Is this the race episode? Is this the, yeah, apparently. Is this the here's how black people see the world episode? Um, so when you're black, there's like a whole different like 
way of looking at life that you're taught. It's not just like you are a human being. It's just like, here is how the world sees you. So it's not, you know, you're a person in a store buying a thing. It's like, if you pick up this gun shaped object, you may die. So yeah. you have to like, think of things in that sort of perspective. Like check and, uh, things and shit. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, with the John Crawford thing, it was like, when I heard about it, it was like, oh, that's unfortunate, but why was he holding something gun-shaped in oh, Jesus, a dude. store? Which is, like, very unsympathetic, and I get that. But it's also just like, that's my reality. Like, if I pick up something gun-shaped, I may die. That's just, like, my reality, period. Um, so... Like, I, I'm not trying to, like, diminish this individual's death and the like the system that facilitated that in terms of just, like, hey, somebody called the police. They misrepresented the situation. The police came in. They shot this guy down without asking questions. And people moved on with their lives. It's just, like, I'm black. By the age of, like, six, I had Emmett Till's corpse burned into my skull I understood, like, there's a different set. I'm playing the game by the different set of rules. That's that's just how I see things. So, you know. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So what do you think about, like, moving? Like, are you, are you, yeah, like, are you tied to, to where you are? Uh, currently, yes. Uh, Ohio's, like, a really cheap place to live. Shocker, right? Yeah. <laughs> the corn meth heroin bill like cheap to live um like moving out of ohio is basically just a matter of like ha- finding a good enough job that can allow you to move out and so you would everyone, like if you if you had like a like a prospect lined up you would you would like be cool with moving like you're not like uh i don't know like family or girl or whatever like not tied to the area no i'm not like particularly tied it's like yeah i have like really good friends in the area like really really good friends yeah but there is like an aspect of just like ohio is kind of this drug field shithole you know like i have emt friends or i've known emts who are at a point where they're just like, you know, what if we just let these addicts die? Because they're tired of, you know, waking up in the morning, doing their job for a few hours, driving out to somewhere, giving someone Narcan, leaving, doing whatever for a few hours, and then coming back and giving them Narcan. A few yeah, hours. dude. Like, yeah. It's, it's like one of those situations. Like, and that's just like the reality of things here. Drug overdoses are super common. It's it's just kind of a shithole. So, bro, we know. have that too. Honestly, the, with the Narcan, like I I've heard people from around here and and uh, like up in New Hampshire too, like EMTs arguing that same exact thing. Like it's costing like an absurd amount of money because like the drug companies are are fucking them on the Narcan or whatever, and like they're just resuscitating the same people week after week. Like instead of like getting these people help or like doing something like yeah. that. I think, productive. I think that definitely is uh, a knock on our 
healthcare and mental. I'm not. We're ah. Uh, it's it's mental me- health. Medicare, yeah. Medicare for all. Uh, more mental health care. I don't want to talk about this anymore. We're gonna we're gonna deep dive, Tom. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, uh, well, dude, I'm I mean, just like so. To... My sister. Go ahead. My sister's a doctor, and she did a mental health rotation in uh, in New York City in one of the hospitals downtown. And I can't remember the name of the city, but it was the name of the hospital. It was a big one. And she was doing her psych rotation. And she's like, we we literally have these people who come in who need very significant mental health care, like long term plans. And they're homeless. They can't afford it. And we just medicate them enough to get them out the door. And then they're back a week later. Yeah, like. That's not that's not the place that we should be. In. I mean, so you you didn't see Joker, so like a lot of a lot of that movie was no, about this. Or you did? See... I saw Joker. Oh, okay. I th- yeah. Like that was kind of like the underarching theme of that movie, but also like you you live, or you used to live in Danvers. Like that used to be a facility, and there's they're all around the country, man. Like there were a ton of them in California, and now they're just not there anymore. Like there there aren't those places where. The people who are like seriously, you know, have have serious mental problems or like addiction problems or whatever. Like maybe some people are coming out too, but like the, a lot of these homeless problems in these cities, like Seattle and and Los Angeles, like it, it's because we don't have these facilities, like these these things anymore, like these these public like necessities, unfortunately, for the human condition, right? Yeah, I I. Uh... I, I don't want to get into it too much, but man, we got a lot of changes to make. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's just like a lot, a lot of social progression to be made, and um, and know. Ohio is not leading the way. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yo, dog, don't don't look at Ohio. Just 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 don't. It's bad. Like, ooh. It is a very, like, overwhelmingly aggressive state in terms of just, like, Republican voting so, and just conservative ideals. And, well, it's just, it's like the I, battle. I remember, I remember driving through to go to Eternal Weekend in Columbus. It was like, it was the 2006 one. And drove from Massachusetts. And I just remember driving through just like a like a wasteland, like a abandoned warehouse laden, just miles and miles of places that used to have jobs and now don't anymore. And it's just it's depressing. Uh, that's basically where I live. Um there was a GM factory that was like a pretty huge thing. And then eventually like that closed down and that was a lot of the just economic stability for a lot of people, just GM existing. And you know, yeah. Like in, in the city that I live in, we had, uh, we had GE and there were a ton of people that were able to like graduate from high school, not go to college, but get a good manufacturing job at GE. And they cut back, they cut back, they cut back. And it's still it's still a like a popular employer, 
but it's nowhere near the way that it used to be where it literally employed the city. And I can just imagine in the Midwest cities where the manufacturing is just gone, that everybody's left with nothing, nothing to do and how bad of a situation that is. Yeah, we have, like, some Asian glass company, Fuyao. But uh, outside of that, I have no idea what's going on in terms of just, like, plant life and what have you. Well, yeah. I, I think that there's this other aspect of, like, since since 2015 or 2014, maybe, like, everything's been turned up to 11 in this country, like, like just with, with politics. Like, it's like a never-ending election cycle, right? And, like, I don't know how much of that is is like reactionary on which side or whatever, but it's like, I feel like everything is pointing at these places. And I think Ohio is one of them where like, mm-hmm. because, because of like the, the crew, the critical role that they play in terms of uh, the electoral college and like the issues that Ohio is facing, that there's just like this inflammatory shit constantly. Like where, where people, I just imagine like your nerves must be on edge living in a place like that where all the all the country is arguing about you and you're just like living in this fishbowl of like going through your daily life. But you're actually like the national news is just talking about you constantly and like like the the two sides relatively equally balanced, like telling each other to hate each other constantly, you know, I mean, you kind of just stop giving a shit. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I guess like that, that's the healthiest way to do it, right? Like, there are people who definitely, like, care about these things, but personally, I just, like, cope with it by not caring. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, like, we're here to live, and then we're going to die eventually, so I don't know how much stock to put into things. You can, depending on which religion you subscribe to, you can delve into ideals of, like, the afterlife or whatever. And it's just like, you know, I don't really care. Like death is just an inevitability. So we'll, we'll hit that when we hit that. And whatever happens after that happens. But, uh, it's, yeah, I was just dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, Politics doesn't matter. We're all going to die. Exactly. Legacy Magic the Gathering. Yeah. It gives you something to live for, right? That's like, what this podcast is about, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, we're on teleology now. We need we need Tom's input on God. Oh, we're not we're, I'm not doing this. What about very free will? Can you get a comment on free will, Tom? I'm gonna be right back. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm not talking about this on the podcast, man. <laughs> not doing it. Not doing it. Oh, man. What, oh, you said What it. the fuck? How did we get derailed no, this badly? We no, had show it notes. Sense. It made sense. You, it did. It did make sense in the conversation. But listen, there are people who are like, man, Lawrence is on. We're going to get to hear about <laughs> everything about Rug. I'm going to have my cyborg guy tuned perfectly. Like, I'm going to know my 14th and a half card. And then we... We ended up talking about things that I was not prepared to talk about because <laughs> there are there are like completely different worlds that I don't have enough experience in to talk about that I just got my fucking mind blown by. Yeah, dude, this was uh, this was an episode, but honestly, like, I, I think this is a good episode. Like, I'm I'm 
I'm enjoying it. Like, I think that uh, I, we're all people, right? Like, magic players. And I don't know. There's there's this debate. Like, you see people talk about, like, oh, you know, just skip the first 10 minutes of every podcast and you'll be better off because you'll get straight to, like, what you want to talk about. And there's other people who are like, I just want to hear the other shit at this point because I got into it because I was interested in this thing. But, you know, like, people, like, lapse as magic players. Like, that's what, that's what I always loved about, like, having Adrian when, when back when Adrian was on Leaving Legacy. And sometimes they just have episodes that had nothing to do with magic, right? Yep. And I, th- I feel like I've been I've been out of the loop for a while with all the stuff that I have going on, I feel like I'm remodeling Adrian's bathroom. Like I'm in that <laughs> I'm in that time frame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just it's a lot to keep up with. Dude, I was just talking to Dominic. He was like uh talking about how he had to get his once upon a time signed and he was pissed that the the bug uh, black green depths list keeps changing with every new set that comes out because he just got his reclaimers back and i was like dude in the past six months i've bought and like i did an honest inventory i was like i bought three wrens two okos two gilded geese two brazen borrowers four force negation four prismatic vista like it's fucking insane bro like we're on the hamster wheel and like the Shit's just, like, rotating so much quicker than it ever did, right? You're absolutely right. But you could be like me, and you could not have any of those cards and not have the the foresight to ask people to borrow stuff and then look at the shit that you have the night before and decide to play Burn. Like, you could be me. <laughs> you, could, you could be me. Why would you that's do what, that to yourself? That's wrong. what happened. Because um, I, I bought... So, I like, I, I feel bad saying this, but, like... I bought a house and I have a kid and I don't really have any money that I can actually afford to spend on magic anymore, but I don't want to be that person that's like, Hey guys, I need all these cards and expect people to be like, Oh yeah, I got you because I was like never that person. So I looked at what I had and I was like, all right, I can play this. I was going to play Wilson's, uh, Robert Wilson's Grixis Delver list. And I was like, Oh shit, I need to buy force indications and brazen borrowers and some other cards. And I was like, I need to spend a hundred bucks on this. I'm like, F- I don't have that anymore. Bro, that's, so I'm just gonna play. That's burn. when you just pull out a dual land and just hand it over. Like I didn't actually. But I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do that because that's the decline. But that's right? the kind of player you are, bro. You're the kind of player that owns every deck at once instead of like one or two decks at a time. You know what I'm you saying? You gotta know people. It's it's just like you just know people, and then you're just like, yo, I'll kick you back maybe something if I win. And that's it. Like, I haven't owned... Well, I own cards technically, but I haven't bought cards actively in forever. And I've played basically every Legacy tournament that I've won. Well, not basically. I've played literally every Legacy tournament that I've wanted. You know, you just gotta get your sugar daddy. You just gotta... <laughs> that's it. I, I am looking for a sugar daddy, everybody. Please. <laughs> Please clip that. Dead, deadformatcast at gmail.com. <laughs> We will, yeah. If you're a sugar daddy, we will respond to your email. We won't forget. There's websites for that, bro. We gotta make you an account. Oh uh, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. All right. So, All right. like, legacy evolution has been really weird because, like, there was a period where the format felt like it was really evolving quickly. It was just like, here's this thing, and 
people would adapt to it. And like the next week you would do this other thing. It was just like, oh man, this is like standard. This is really exhilarating. There's a lot going on. I have to figure out what's happening and I have to adapt to it. Right. Yeah. And then you realize that Rudd Delver was just the doomsday of legacy. And for people who don't get the reference, doomsday is a DC character who was created by a, by a mad scientist or whatever. And his whole thing was like, I'm going to take this baby. He was, a, he was an alien. Yeah, he was a Kryptonian alien. Like, we don't need to get into it. That's just like, okay. all, that's like all semantics that people are, aren't going to care about. Uh, basically, same race as Superman. And they were like, let's take this baby and throw it in the jungle and see what happens. And it gets mauled by a lion. Right? So we're like, all right, let's... <laughs> Let's scrape this, like, dead baby off the ground and clone it and throw it back into the jungle. And it dies of polio. And they're like, all right, let's scrape this dead baby off the ground, throw it back in the jungle, and it dies of frostbite. Right? And they were like, here's how we forcibly evolve a specimen. So Doomsday as a character isn't what you had in, like, the comic books, or not the comics, the uh, the movie where Lex Luthor was like, let me jerk off over the corpse of General Zod and make, the, like, this weird alien thing. Yep. Like, I have the black... you know what he's talking about right now, Tom? I, I have the black bag <laughs> Superman comic hanging in the room uh, that it, I'm it, podcasting in right me, now. Excuse me, Tom. African-American <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I can't. Oh, oh you... I don't know why you guys have me on cuz like you always have the like <laughs> worst reviews when I come on cuz always... Bro, Yo, that, that, that Lord's guy's like way too black for us. Like Yo, you're <laughs> We definitely do not read any reviews, but your your episode, one of your episodes, is definitely our most listened to episode. So yeah, we got that. Uh, what were you saying about the black bag? My no, my my wife just woke up because I was laughing too much. <laughs> so we got a. Yeah, right. I gotta quiet. I gotta quiet. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'll keep carrying this episode. Um. No. <laughs> I, can't, I can't laugh at that, even though I really want to, because I'm gonna wake up my kid too. Should have pulled out Tom. Should have. Oh. You just gotta you gotta take take two steps back. You gotta take two steps back. Oh. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all it takes. You gotta just two steps back and then fire. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I listen, I'm going to be here and I'm going to listen, but I can't, I'm not going to talk for the rest of the cast. That's you guys. Time, I'm time. Crying. There are tears, there are tears running down my face and I know that I'm going to have to deal with so much shit in the morning because of this. And I know as soon as my wife listens to this cast, she's going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> it's All okay. Right. You can say you had a black ass, so you can just pull the race card on her. Yeah. Just, Go for you it. Just, you can just hit her with the race card. Like, what's up, Linda? Do you not like black people? Linda. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I feel bad. Tom can't laugh. <laughs> oh my god! All right. So I don't. Re- what were they talking about? DC's Doomsday? So, yeah, basically Superman. some guy killed a baby a bunch of times and then, like, forced it to hyper-evolve into, like, this monstrosity that, like, either adapted instantly to whatever you were doing or would punch you in the face. And that's what Rick, that's what Rugdelver is, right? It's like yeah. anytime something yeah. pops up, either Rugdelver just finds some tech to evolve to just, like, answer it or just, like, whatever, throw Rugdelver, punch you in the face. And uh, that's what Legacy currently is. It's like the world versus Doomsday. And um, that isn't where you want to be. So it's kind of like uh, like Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Uh, that's, that's the only fantasy show I've I don't seen. remember Littlefinger trying to have sexual intercourse with underage children, but. Um, or Sansa, Doomsday. Oh, oh, oh. Little, sorry, Doomsday trying to have sex. You're oh. like, ugh. Dude, this tequila is hidden hard. Like, I've drank half a, more than half a bottle? Jesus Christ. Bro, since, uh, Tom, since Tom can't laugh, I just want to say this. My dick is not 12 inches long, but it definitely smells like a foot. <laughs> I don't. I don't approve of anything happening right now. <laughs> this episode's okay. gonna be one man long, and it's just be like run double. It's great. <laughs> that's it. That's the sound crew. That's that's the episode. Run double is great. <laughs> All right, we should we should wrap. Lawrence, if people want to find you on Twitter, how could they do that? Uh, it's just <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Weren't there other topics we were supposed to talk about? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Congrats to, to Tom Cares for the third the third uh, uh, Legacy Leak Dump appearance with Snow Control. And yeah, that's it. That's everything. And Rug Delver wins 55% of his matches. Jesus. <sighs> Just give me a minute. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Oh, oh my God! Right, I could be at work early tomorrow, and I'm like turned off tequila right now. Like the things I do for you guys. <laughs> we we appreciate it. I don't know how to I don't know how to close this episode. This is this is probably my favorite episode I've ever recorded, but it's gonna get it's gonna get the worst reviews. And it's what if- great. What if I told you I didn't hit record until like 40 minutes into the episode? So I'm going to also have... I got a back. I got a backup. I also have a backup. Oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's backups. You're not getting into tomorrow. Like, I'm not sending you a backup today. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) That's that's 0% that's happening. But, uh... Shout out to T-Bag Tom. Uh, Pleasant opponent. Also very nice in Moto Chat, you know. There's oh, the a nicest. stack. There's a stack of guys who are just like not enjoyable to interact with in Moto Chat, and it's like when they've been confronted about it, they're just like, "Oh, I'm nice in person, but 
you know, I'm a douchebag in motor chat. And it's just like, no, you're just a terrible person. But when social pressure is enacted upon you, yeah. you pretend to be nice. And it's just like, you're, you, you're Bro. a fuck nigga. Like, that's, that's just it. Hey. You know, Tom, if you need to bleep out stuff, that's okay. I, I understand. Nope. Uh, I got I, That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work That's for me, work. and I'm tired. So the bleeps, the bleeps can stay in. There's right. some stuff at the beginning that's not gonna make it, but maybe. oh yeah, the like pre-conversation, pre precast, yes, yes, yeah. When we were Jack's Bay on motos, you guys know who Jack's Bay is? Nah, I don't. I don't know who that is. So I just beat him in draft right before we started recording. And he times out. He had four minutes left on his clock. He times out. Then he gets. We get down to like thirty seconds, and he says, "Leave to a shuffler bot to get everything handed to them on a silver platter like a cheater." MTGO is rigged like a casino, and those with the most trophies are proof of that. Signs draws. Signs out. Draws every card in his deck, and then leaves. Fucking who are love, these people, bro? I love people like that because it's just like you do realize I can just jerk off, right? Like, like, it, like, like, you're using your might, your time, but I can just jerk off. Like, I can just crank one out and just be done. It's, like, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever you're doing, who cares? To be 25 again, right, Tom? 25? <laughs> I'm 27, I think. I think. I don't, I don't remember how old I am. I'm probably 27, 28, somewhere around there. But, like, I'm just saying, like... All these like salt lords on Moto, it's just like, dude, you're not just just quit. Like if you're done, just quit. That's it. Just like we're all adults. We all want to get on with our lives. Just quit. You don't have to like time people out because like sure, like some twelve year old is gonna get angry and be like, oh man, this person made me sit there for fifteen minutes while they timed out. Everyone else is just gonna order DoorDash and roll up a blunt. That's yeah. it. <laughs> like, that's everybody else. It's just like you aren't making a, an actual impact on someone's life. Like, you check emails, you do whatever. Like, the only thing that sucks is, like, because of leagues, you can't double queue, you know? Yeah, but, like, who cares? Like, you yeah. don't really want to double queue, right? You, you, you can start a like, draft. Like, just start picking cards. Exactly. You get hungry, you want to, like, play a match, maybe... You kind of want to do something else like you like at a certain point in your life, you have enough to do outside of Match the Gathering yeah. online that you don't care. Like if something else happens and you can just move on. But that's the whole reason I'm playing Magic is because I'm trying to avoid those things I have to do. Damn, that's that's the real tea. Have you considered tequila? <laughs> I've considered the bridge. But anyway, Tom, how can people find you on Twitter? That was uh, that was too dark. That was way too dark. At, at T Smiley MTG, and please, please, <laughs> I would I would don't. prefer if you didn't mention my my skin tone in this episode. Oh God! <laughs> Six hours of editing later. <laughs> just make it as no. hard for Thomas Moss. No so he's more just gonna leave it all in. You know he's. Just, <laughs> Just all of it in. Or you could just bleep that those specific parts so that it doesn't make any sense to anyone who listens. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> What's this guy's problem? I feel like that that's more editing for Tom. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know if you know how lazy I am, <laughs> but there, there's a lot staying in today. So, uh, yeah. if you want to hit me up, hit me up at tsmileymtg. Please, uh, don't hit me up about this cast, though. If you have specific <laughs> questions and feedback about this specific cast, just keep it keep it to yourself. Uh, or um, shoot it at me, and I'll retweet it. Now, at Lawrence Harmon, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, H-A-R-M-O-N, my mom gave me a white name so I could actually apply to jobs as a black person in America. Uh, not actually a joke. No, that that's like actually the reason. Wow. Uh, because, you know, black people have to live by a separate set of rules. And if you like apply to a name with like Devonte Freeman or something, people are just going to preemptively judge you. And when you apply to a job with Lawrence Harmon as your name, you show up as a black person. They're just like founder or diversity hire. They're just like sick slam dunk it's it's actually ridiculous it's like the only thing my mom's done positive in my life um, <laughs> so name name your kid lawrence and play rug delver and legacy hey gang gang got um, it i also played miracles when it's like actually a playable deck but like the way magic design is going it's just like like it's playable but like why Bro, but um did you know that Devontae Freeman was a football player? Was that just like a like a combination of names? I thought of Devontae and then I thought of Freeman because like the guy who did the uh voice acting for the Boondocks died recently, like the grandpa. Oh wow. So like I just thought of two stereotypical things. And, that's crazy, uh, man. Yeah. That's just how that worked out. Like, that's kind of how I, it sounded when you said it. Like you were just coming up with two names. That's, my that's favorite, different. my favorite football player is Marshawn Lynch. His oh quote, yeah. His like video of like run through a motherfucker's face is just like words to live by. Just like Marshawn Lynch is just my my favorite human being. Uh, even though I don't follow football, just everything. Every time I see like Marshawn Lynch does anything, it's just like yeah. Oh, he's the I, man. He, this the, yeah. the thing with like not hitting him on the head like you know when people score touchdowns everybody smacks you on the head or like after every play basically people smack you on the head he he had it like so his teammates would not smack him on the head and if they if they went to do it he'd like block them like aggressively like just don't smack me on the head like he's setting up for the like greatest lawsuit against the league of all time because he like he he made like such a point of protecting his head you know so like obviously yeah. in football you're gonna like, get like, CTE. Is that like, why Seattle? Is that why Seattle didn't run the ball? Like, I don't like, know. Look man. at the other football players, right? You have like guys who are just like brain damage, murdering white women, brain damage, you know. And yeah. then you have Marshawn Lynch, and it's just like run through a motherfucker's face. Like that's it. That's it. That's like what else? You know. He was. Uh, he was definitely one of the most unique characters that I've ever seen. All right. Well, with that said, I think it's a good time to wrap. <laughs> what do you, Tom, you good? Gang. Gang. I'm, I'm good. All right. Uh, at Dead Format <laughs> Cast, at Eating 125, at Lord's Harvard, at Thirst for Cast, uh, blah, blah, blah. That's a wrap. Tom is just like trying to figure out how many niggas he has to edit out. Like, <laughs> what is... <laughs> <sighs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>